Today we have in the studio with us the lovely Sylvia Zur, a Wellington woman in leadership who I think we'll be seeing a lot more of. She already has a few nominations under her belt, including being a finalist in the Woman of Influence Awards 2013. She is a board member of Inspiral, where she is passionate about supporting other social entrepreneurs to get social enterprises off the ground. And on top of this, she is also the founder and CEO of Chalkle, an online community platform that she is going to tell us about in a moment. Sylvia, welcome to B-Side Stories on Access Radio. Thank you very much. It's lovely to be here. Yeah, it's really nice to have you here. It, it's such a nice way to have a little chat and get to the, get right to it. So first, could you tell us what, what is Chalkle to you? What do you see it achieving? Chalkle. To me is a facilitator or enabler of mm. connecting people who have things to teach with people who want to learn. Great. And that was pretty much the basic assumption that we started it on. And since then, it's grown and grown and sort of snowballed from there. Yes, I could see that. <laughs> <laughs> so there's quite a range of classes that were available on the site when I last had a look. Can you tell our listeners some of the, the scope of, of possibilities that they can be up for learning? Oh, we've got everything from cheese making, from the wonderful Alexis Yay. of Curious Cooks. <laughs> we've got forest mythology that has been curated um, by the Department of Con- Conservation through their new channel, which is called Fresh Thinking. Wow. We've got um, often, you know, everything from worm farming to composting and, you know, all of the sustainability things. Mm. But then we've also got a whole suite of different professional development classes. So right. that's, you know, Accounting 101 or, you know, we just had a class launch up in Auckland around internet security for startups. Right. So we really try and make certain that we cover the spectrum of society because, I mean, when you're learning, you know, you can learn everything. So let's make certain that we create, one of our visions is to create a buffet of learning. So you can go on and you can have everything from the nibbles and the tasters through to the, you know, the main course in the 10-week class. No, that's fantastic. And there certainly looks like that scope there. And one of the ones that I was really enjoying was the poetry slamming. Mm. <laughs> and um, there was one about natural death as well, which I thought, so so almost in the spiritual realms as yep. well. Yeah. So things like mindfulness and meditation and, mm. you know, we've we've had a lot come in from that area. And I mean, the slam poetry is, is hosted by the wonderful Ali Jacks of Wellington. And and, you know, she's a brilliant example yeah. of a really talented woman who has incredible knowledge and skills. And now Chalkle is just an avenue to help her connect with the people that want to, you know, learn about slam poetry or understand a little bit more of what she does. Mm. And what about the type of people that are coming in to learn? Like, is there a is there a cross section or are they the same type of person that's coming through? Who, who would it be talking to? I mean, it's pretty diverse, Mm. but what we're really looking at, I guess, with our aim is that we do reach some of the younger market or even the middle-aged market because there is a little bit of a perception that night classes are for older people and some of the ways that they've been managed in the past have perhaps fit that bracket. But you don't just start, you know, going to night classes when you retire. There's actually the opportunities to learn the whole entire way through. 
So what we're saying is rather than replacing any systems, how about we support what's already there and actually just make it accessible? Mm. You know, there's already all these classes going on for all different people. Right. If we, you know, have better Facebook integration, if we have online management, if we have online payment, it suddenly becomes more accessible to our young professionals, to our students who might not have much money, to our busy mothers and fathers who actually only have an evening off and would like to go to some other class. So it's that audience that we're also focusing on. That's fantastic, Sylvia. That's really, and it's really quite um, encouraging when you're on. You kind of find yourself wanting to tap, yes, I'm coming to that one. (laughs) Things I might not have thought about learning. So what was it that that started this drive or or allowed you to see the opportunity there for Chalkal? Well, Chalkal very much started within the Inspiral network. Right. And one of its stories is is me joining Inspiral and seeing all of this incredible talent in that community and going, I just want to learn from all of them. So I started scheming up ways to be able to do that. <laughs> but Do you go to all the classes then as well? I have been to quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it also started around the vision of, you know, how can we create a world where everyone can teach mm. and through that everyone can learn? And so at the same time, Chalkle's real vision and mission is to create, you know, what we call a renaissance of learning. Let's really nice. tap that open and create a marketplace of opportunities. So that's sort of the two genesis of, you know, seeing the practical opportunity here in Wellington and in Inspiral and inspired by the bigger picture led us to go, actually, let's start this, you know, let's commit to something and let's slowly test and iterate from there. Wow, exciting. So... Chalkle seems to also have quite a unique culture and its language and, and its approach. Is there a, a, do you feel like there's a secret recipe or something special about Chalkle that's, that's engaging and encouraging? Oh, totally. But yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm biased. It's like if you ask a mother, is there something special about their child? I'm going to say that. <laughs> but, but it does feel like there's a special recipe going on there. I mean... I guess hopefully part of the special recipe is us wanting to be of service. Great. And we're constantly asking the question, you know, how can we enable a diverse educators network across New Zealand? And yes, we're using software to support that. So therefore we ask the question, how can we use technology, you know, education technology to facilitate more face-to-face lifelong learning? So I guess constantly coming from that question, Mm. it means that all of our decisions are based in that Way, frame of thinking and you know later on when we talk about social enterprise or social impact business that also influences how we make business decisions because we want to create a self-funding scalable sustainable solution to be able to really make you know a positive dent in the universe in the education space. Nice well it feels like you're making a positive dent in New Zealand so we we're talking about scale and and you know so so you're just saying you've got courses happening in Auckland and it sounds like the hot of Whenua and yeah. anywhere where you're not where chocolate is not available in New Zealand maybe the question to ask <coughs> well it's still very early stages so wow. there's a lot of places that we're not mm. um, because we do have the interesting balance of not wanting to be spread too thin yeah. because we do try and build up a community at the same same time right so yep, we're very excited sense. to launch in Nelson um, last Monday when we relaunched the software so we've now got about I think six or ten different channel providers everything from you know the community center down there to Nayland community education that's the, the adult community education right. um, based in the high school um, through to the environment center through to some independent teachers watch um, offering um, 
you know, healthy diet classes and oriental thinking, I think, is one of them. Nice. So it's wonderful <laughs> to see from, you know, over the ditch, over the strait, what's bubbling and brewing down in Nelson. Yeah. And so our hope is that that can then expand across the country. And that's where now with the new platform, we can start to support different communities. But right now our focus is Nelson, Wellington and Auckland and the wider Wellington region being Hutt right. Valley and Horrifenau. Right, great, yeah. fantastic. So... You yourself, do you have a a, a, a grand vision for Chalkal that that you yeah? Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've got to you know this is this starting businesses and yeah. starting social enterprises is hard work, and you mm. know at the end of the day, it's got to be the vision and the mission that does you know motivate you. And I think for me personally, as I mentioned, it is around the education space. I would love to see Chalkal being a viable alternative option for people saying, actually, what do I want to learn? What do I want to develop in my life? And how do I find the learning opportunities yeah. in my community? So if we can create that for the learners, that would be my ultimate vision, that Chalkal is that buffet of education. Then if we can create a... Um, accessible software platform for teachers and organisations mm. that really covers off all of their administration so they're spending more time in the classroom and less time you know, in the management side of class organising. Right. That would be the success metric. And then the third one is for Chalkal. You know, we want Chalkal to be big. We, we really want it to be supporting as many people as possible and doing that in a sustainable social impact business fueled way. Feels like it's got all the potential, doesn't it? Well, here's hoping. <laughs> so, and just how long have you have Chalkal been going for, Sylvia? Well, in one way, um, only a week and a half, <laughs> I could say. <laughs> so was that with your new site that, that yeah. you just launched? What was the step up with that? So um, the other answer is that, that, that you know, because I mean that's a little bit cheating. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't have done all of that in a week and a half. Almost would have been. Well, we've been very busy the last yeah. week and a half. Um, but that new site was the a third phase that we've right. been talking about with Chalkal. The first phase that I mentioned was you know starting with Inspiral, and we started it just as a meetup group. And that was um, a lot of manual, you know, I ran around Wellington and organised classes. And a lot of people might wow. know Chalkal as that. Yeah. You know, I organised over 600 classes where I was very much the provider, worrying about the keys and the venues and supporting people to do that. But <laughs> that was not sustainable. But it was a whole lot of fun right. and it developed a whole lot of learnings yeah. of what it is to really try and run classes and to do it like actually exactly. get in behind and see because that was the question I didn't want to ask the back end <laughs> mm. it takes so much exactly yeah. and I think it was through that year of work mm. that we built up the empathy but also the needs of what systems and processes are needed to support adult education active learning lifelong right. learning in the current modern space. So then that was sort of our first phase of building up all of that know-how. Yeah. Then the second phase was we, we launched sort of a, you know, an MVP prototype product. And with that then started to explore a little bit further what would it be to build Chalkal as a software company. Wow. And that's what we've spent now the last six months building, gathering a team together, developing the product. And that's what we launched a week and a half ago. Congratulations. Well, it's certainly pretty flash, but very simple as well to you. So, yeah, well done. That's phenomenal. Thank you. <laughs> Sylvia's got a lovely big grin and, and she deserves to wear it, I think. <laughs> Did you have the idea when you started that it would become an online platform? Or, or you know, was that kind of there? Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
I'm not a tech person, right? So it's totally it's kind a whole of comforting. New, yeah. yeah, oh, it's yeah. a total new adventure, and I've been really surrounded by awesome tech people that have, you know, handled my. Um, Why is it not working? <laughs> you know, but it's also been hopefully through me walking my talk of also learning how technology processes work right. and how can technology be of service to face-to-face education. And it's really interesting, though, and one of our biggest challenges, though, of when we talk about education and technology, right. people straight away assume online learning. Yes. But no. Yes. <laughs> Chalkle is trying to use edu- technology to facilitate face-to-face learning. So I guess it's one of my visions is that I really feel like we've spent the last 10 years getting online. I really think we're going to spend the next 10 years using all of that learning, but to get offline. So how do we use, you know, the technologies, the Facebook, the social media as tools to facilitate stronger face-to-face connections and thus build community and capacity in our, in our, you know, in New Zealand. Oh, I so hear you, Sylvia. That's a wonderful vision. And and just interesting, at the beginning of the show, I mentioned we went away to Torah, but really it was actually to get away from an online community that we'd self-created and we needed to pay to go away to have a break, which I found rather bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, I, and I think that's yeah. where, you know, when you asked around the technology, it's around... How can you use that? What is technology good at? And so I need to ask mm. that question, you mm. know, and technology is brilliant at connecting people that may never have connected. You know, the lady that loves to knit in Kilburnie can meet with the other lady that loves to knit in Mount Vic. Right. Or the person that wants the accounting advice suddenly realises that two people down the road, you know, they're, they're an accountant and therefore they can run an accounting class. So it's brilliant at connecting people. Mm. But then the second thing it's brilliant at doing is reducing administration and streamlining right. stuff. Right, yeah, yeah. So using those two things, and those then are the two core services mm. that we've developed, is the sort of the marketing or the platform where people can go on and see all the classes. And then the second side is all of the administration. So that's what we came to through all of our research, that those are the two things that you know, technology can help in the face-to-face education space. And I bet that was a lot of soul-searching to boil it down to those two things, which seem so simple, but yet, yeah, you're so right. Wow, okay. So now talking about social enterprise, so you're also part of the Inspiral Hub down here in, in central Wellington. What is going on down there that is having so much impact? <laughs> We're just having fun. <laughs> it's quite incredible. I mean, it's it's interesting. Um, it's interesting you phrase it in that way. You know, what's going on that's having so much impact? Because, you know, Inspiral is a network, a collective mm. of um, social entrepreneurs and social enterprises that have come together to try and make you know a bigger impact in this world. Whether that be in the food space, whether right. that be in the democracy, whether that be in services such as accounting and legal, or whether that's in the education space. But not only an impact in terms of successful businesses, but a positive social impact. Mm. So, you know, what we look at is one of the core missions of Inspiral is how can we make, how can we enable more people to work on stuff that matters? So in that way, you know, when you think about it, we spend 40 hours of our week, and some of us a whole lot more. Yeah. You know, in our professional capacity, how can we try and enable people to make certain that professional capacity is in the direction of positive social impact, but also also personal satisfaction? 
Huge. Yeah. But yet so important and almost a fundamental right, I feel, of of the human being in a way. Yeah. Mm. And so you've obviously had success with with developing Chalkal as one of the social enterprises out of Inspiral. What was the kind of direct experience you had through being part of the Inspiral network or group? Mm. Well, Chalkle never would have started without Inspiral. Right. And I can say that quite strongly. Mm. And it's for multiple reasons. Mm. You know, it's being in a community of, you know, like-minded people. As I mentioned, I am I'm still quite new to this whole space. And so, therefore, it's finding people that are also new or finding people that have more experience in different parts, trading experiences, trading knowledge, right. trading skills, to be able to start to build that collective, um, that, that collective wisdom and so it's kind of been bouncing each other off of the different ideas. And as one business grows, the other one thrives. Mm. So a lot of Inspiral mm. is looking at how can we create business communities and networks that built off mutual benefit, built off increasing resources rather than extraction. So you can talk quite a philosophical level about yeah. Inspiral. But at the same time, it's just a group of people that get together. And, you know, as we say, when, you know, you get a great group of people in a room Great things happen, and it just starts to snowball effect from so there. that's what's going on yeah. down there. <laughs> We're actually just hanging out. Yeah. Just don't tell anyone. <laughs> no, no, I think there's a lot happening that, you know, there's definitely not, not um, idle idle chatter. So another question that, that I have, and is, is Wellington kind of – um, a, fertile, a fertile ground for the social enterprise. Is that, is that hub unique to Wellington, do you think? I mean, I don't know if I'd say that, that Wellington is sort of, you know, leading the way or totally independent. Right. I think Wellington has a lot going for it, you know, and I worked mm. for three years for an international youth organisation overseas, so I've seen a lot of different cities right. and a lot of people doing great things. And in some way, New Zealand and Wellington is incredibly ahead of a lot, you know, right. ahead of the ball. But in some ways, we're also totally behind. Mm. You know, if you look at it from a New Zealand perspective, things like social impact investing and access to capital is really hard for a lot of startups. Whereas right. over in the States, you know, in Silicon Valley and San Francisco and, you know, some of those cliched places, it's a lot easier. But I think why Wellington yeah. is... It might sound cliched, but there's something about the physical space and environment. You know, I I appreciate that I can walk to work every day. I can appreciate that I still don't have to own a car, that I can have base living costs covered and is still pretty a high quality life. So it's something about the physical space. Then I would echo it's something about the social and the cultural space. There's a feeling of collaboration. There's a feeling of, you know, mutual pride of being in Wellington and actually let's make certain this thing works. And then also access to, you know, policy and, right. and you know, yeah. having perhaps central government and council and all of that. So there's multiple different facets. And that's why I think Wellington mm. claiming that it was the best about different things. You'd have to be careful. It's more, it's all these mutual things that I think build up upon themselves. Nice. But we're still we're still harbouring a pretty good social enterprise community. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> cool. And um, do you feel like in in that conversation we were having before about there being a groundswell or a big shift feeling? Are you getting? So you've just come back from overseas, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more next. But are you getting that sense that there feels like a groundswell of change? Mm. Yeah, totally. 
And I mean, I, I spent, yeah, three years in more sort of the not-for-profit um, youth community organisation space, and now I'm entering more into the business space. Right. So I guess from the business perspective, it's interesting looking at more and more businesses that are recognising that actually social impact and, you know, purpose and all of that mm. needs to be measured and held as accountable as financial impact. So it's, I think it's all differently happening, and it's also happening then on the consumer level. You know, when you look right. at wonderful, also a social enterprise like Conscious Consumers, mm. that actually saying, how can we put more power into consumers' hands? You know, it's all of those sorts of things that are starting to build up. That I think people are starting to see through the, you know, the, the bland, shiny, shiny marketing, and they're starting to actually really ask the deep questions of, hang on, why does this business exist, and what is its purpose, and how do we make certain that... It's for a positive social impact. Fantastic. Okay. Well, on that, we're just going to have a little break and go into listen to Silver and I chose the song by The Clean. Anything can happen. I think it's quite appropriate. Enjoy. Just have a little think. We'll be back with Sylvia in a moment to talk about her story on how she got to where she is today. Enjoy. That was the clean, I was going to say the queen, the clean with anything can happen. And um, I think that was rather appropriate for today. And also, 
I love the tone of that song. It's really kind of anything can happen, but it's got this kind of jolly cheekiness about it, doesn't it, Sylvia? Yay. So now we've just been chatting to Sylvia Zur from Chalkle for those that have tuned in, and uh, we've talked about Chalkle and the social enterprise space, but now we're going to talk to Sylvia about her journey because she sounds like one of those interesting Kiwis that have got a few things that have happened in order to get her here, um, including, yes, it is true about the chicken. So we'll get to that at the end. But first of all, just having to check the time, of course. So, Sylvia, you seem very passionate about learning yourself. What is your own experience that has motivated you to always be learning? Oh, that's a good question. Um, probably two things come to my mind. Is I had a um, awesome education. I, I went right. through an alternative education system, the Steiner School out in Lower Hutt. Oh, you're one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Bless you. Often. That's fantastic. Oh, congratulations. That is very, I want to say fortunate, but great decision-making from your parents. It's well, really mum, cool. mum actually ended up also starting another school. So I think learning sort of a little bit in my blood, and I often right. say that I have a school as a sibling because, you know, mum, mum was deeply involved for right. the first 20 years I of it. it. So you were, you were the... You were the sister, the sister yes. to the school. Yeah, so wow. me and my, my two other sisters, we're, there's, there's a fourth sibling and, right. and that's the school. So I think there's, there's you know, there's that thread that I would probably definitely refer back to mm. and, you know, definitely credit my parents with constantly, you know, giving us opportunities to question and explore, mm. whether that be, you know, rock pools with my with my dad or, you know, knitting with, with mum. Right, yeah. You know, I, I'm very lucky to have had an awesome childhood and I feel like, one of the things that pains me is when I hear people talk about needing to recover from the education system. You know, people say, oh, you know, I'm still spending the last right. 10 years recovering. I was really lucky and I feel like I thrived in it. Right. But then probably the second thread I would draw is that, um, as I mentioned, I spent three years overseas working um, with a lot of young people exploring alternative education right. methodologies. So sort of going, you know, when we leave high school, we often think, you know, oh, it's got to be either university, a job or travel. But actually, you know, university might put you in debt when you don't quite know what you mm. want to do. And job, you might end up working, you know, in a cafe just to be able to save the money to be able to then go overseas. With no purpose. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And actually, yeah. what is, uh, purpose is the exact word, mm. what is that fourth option? And how do we allow people to discover that fourth option in their own time and in their own space? And there's a couple of different exciting initiatives emerging in that space. Um, one of them is Orientation Aotearoa here in New Zealand, right. which is looking at a one-year gap year program. I love that. And the second one, though, which I was involved with overseas, is called the Youth Initiative Program, right. YIP. And so YIP is a one-year social entrepreneurship training for young people. So I was helped. I helped a little bit with that on the outside. So what age groups would YIP be attracting? YIP was for, I think, 19 to 26-year-olds. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So it was all of that sort of questioning of going, actually, you know, what if, what if there's other options of learning out there? So I guess drawing on my own experiences, but also on the different organisations and institutions that I've been lucky to be involved with. Yeah, definitely. And so there was one that I did want to ask you about, and um, I didn't put it out there, but because I, th I thought I couldn't actually, I read it somewhere, about the youth in the States, was it, that were gang, you, did you have anything to do with, yeah. what, what was that, well, what was your learning from that experience? Oh, um, a deeply profound um, experience. I mean, it was probably when I realised the most that 
top-down change cannot always be that effective. Right. Um, we were really lucky. The story there was that um, we'd been working with this man called Orland Bishop, who had come over to a lot of our youth conferences over in the States, over in um, Europe, sorry. And then he invited us to LA to work with some of the gang youth in Watts in LA. Wow, okay. Um, gang youth always feels like the wrong label. Right. But yep. they were kids that were involved in Watts, which is right the centre space of the Bloods and the Crips. Um, so it was where the LA riots in 92 right. broke out. And, you know, there were huge experiences there of, you know, where we were staying in the art centre, you know, there were bullet holes in the front door. And when Mr Whippy came round, all of the, everything was behind grated bars. But it was the human beings that I met. And yeah. to be honest, one of the big things was a realisation. I think I've had two really strong realisations around the colour of my skin. One was in LA, right? working with these, you know, a lot of them were Mexican and, you know, Native American or African American kids, and just realising how the colour of my skin has influenced them strongly through other people's actions. And the second time, or the, the, actually the first time that I really noticed that was when I was in Benin in West Africa, right? and doing some work there and standing on you know, the beach of um, Weida Beach where all the slaves left on the corner, mm. of, you know, it's the one corner of the slave trade and going, actually, what is this impact and what is the burden and the opportunity that right, I have yeah. through the colour of my skin? So I think, I guess, I left LA with something ringing in my voice where I was facing a lot of these confrontations yeah. and one of the boys said to me, he said, you know, you feeling guilty and feeling, you know, bad for all of the stuff that's happened is not going to help us. You know, you going out and thriving and creating positive change is what's going to make the difference. And I guess I've really taken that and going, well, how can I be the best me and through that create the positive change that I want to do, you know? <laughs> wow. Uh, th this is the, the radio presenter's got a tear in her eye actually after that. Thank you, Sylvia, for sharing that with us. That was, funnily enough, one of the, the stories I was getting to. So, so I mean, just trying to get that, what, what prompted you to start, you know, making this quite serious change? But was there, from that point then, did you see that the opportunity was going to be better in New Zealand for you? Was there a decision to come home? Mm. And that, that was uh, there was an opportunity here at some point? Well, I spent three years working right across Europe and North America. Yeah. Really lucky with, in a whole lot of different facets from, you know, doing retreats up in the Adirondack Mountains through, yeah, getting the opportunities to work in LA through Sweden, Germany, you know, I was based out of Switzerland. And a lot of that work was helping other people with their projects and helping other people do the change that they want in their communities. But I kind of hit a point when I realised that a, I wanted to do something myself and not just help other people with their projects. Right, yeah. But also, actually, for me to really create systemic change, I need to start in my own backyard. Yeah, you know, it's I'm a funny realisation. Yeah, I'm a born one, and bred, yeah. <laughs> you know, New Zealander. Mm. And I feel like if there's one culture that I know, it's New Zealand. You know, I'd lived in Switzerland for those three years, and, you know, I do have a Swiss passport, but I still... I don't understand the ways and the beings of the Swiss. You know, there's parts of them that, that drive me insane and parts that I love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That actually I need to come back to New Zealand and not only to New Zealand, to Wellington, but in order to really try and create some, as I said, some systemic change, mm. not just ask those surface questions and try and create mm. change on the surface, but actually go, but why? Why? And part of that asking the question of why has led me, I guess, to where I am now. Wow really is that song, Anything Can Happen. <laughs> <laughs>
So have you in your time had some good people around you that have been major inspirations to you? Oh, plenty. Mm. Um, all my work colleagues, you know, the people that I've worked with, the people that I've everything from toiled the soils in Switzerland when I worked on an organic farm through to the people in the youth work of running, you know, conferences and things through to the people at Inspiral. Yeah. I just, I love finding people that I thrive with yeah. because I'm hopeless at work-life balance. You know, I'm just, <laughs> I gave up on that. Right now I'm on a mission of going, it's all about a work-life ecosystem and how do we create a healthy ecosystem of those two. So once I acknowledge that, I realise that actually, you okay. know, my work colleagues and my friends are going to be the same. Yeah, good. So I think, I think that's, yeah. And I mean, probably the other person would be, I was really lucky to bring um, Nicanor Perlis out to New Zealand and... He, it was wonderful to have him meet a whole lot of people in, in Wellington and he did a couple of interviews, you know, on Radio yes. New Zealand and also we'll be releasing that on the Inspiral YouTube oh, pretty gosh. quickly. Yeah. So his work really influences me a lot as well. So that was the next question. What for you was so special about Nikandor Perlis that you really wanted to, you were almost quite driven and he seemed quite happy to come and lovely man, ladies and gentlemen, I did have the pleasure of meeting him and that warmth that he gave out and delivered with his hum humanistic speech about economics was amazing. Mm. But what, what, was the message, or what was it about him that you wanted to share with your colleagues here in New Zealand? I think it's the fact that he works about of an incredible bigger picture societal framework and a great sort of conceptual but also holistic understanding yeah. of how the world works, how, you know, the economic realm, the political realm and the civil society all interact. And, you know, a lot of that philosophical stuff, which I see a lot of people talking about, but then he doesn't leave it there. He then goes, right. What are we going to do about this? Nice. So whether that be, you know, standing as a presidential candidate, yeah. whether that be, you know, stopping nuclear reactors or trying to shift whole towns towards sustainability, he doesn't sit around and just say, this is what should happen. He goes, this is the framework that I'm working out of and this is what I'm going to do. And I guess that's my inspiration mm. that I hope with Chalkal I can describe the framework and the vision and the mission, but at the end of the day also get really practical. And make it happen. Okay. Um, Sorry, lovely hearing that story about Nikandor again because I really enjoyed his his talk. So you are very committed to what you do, and I love it that you've just admitted that your your work life balance is is you know you're working on it. Um, but what are the things that you would personally like to see change or to get New Zealand to be known for? Oh, really good question. Um, I guess for me, personal change at the moment, it's around um, sustainability. Right, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, there's something in there. I've, I've just turned 30 and I've definitely spent my 20s gallivanting around the world. Yeah, <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Yeah. And so now then you start to look right at the mm. next, what are the next steps? And, you know, you mentioned different, lead, you know, leadership opportunities and I guess I'm questioning you know what is the servant leadership that's now being asked of me you know potentially I spent the early part of my 20s supporting young people and then I spent the late part and you know most likely the early part of my 30s creating my own project but then what is that next phase and how yeah. do I then again switch to supporting more people and whether that's in the political space or the business space I don't know but so that's something that I'm looking at and, you know, part of that is how can I make Chalkal, you know, financially sustainable so that I can start, 
you know, having a little bit more financial freedom and more independence that it doesn't just rely on me. And leveraging off that. Yeah. 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 And I think probably in New Zealand, I guess my biggest wish is that we just lived up to our potential. Same. I'm just so frustrated (laughs) sometimes when it's, you know, we have this green, clean, green ideology Mm. and then you look at the realities and it it can look quite different. And we're so proud of all of our, you know, Edmund Hillary's and Kate Shepard's and yet we seem to crush all the, you know, the adventurous people of today. Yes. So how, if, if we could live up to those, that potential and probably for me, my biggest frustration at the moment around New Zealand is apathy. And actually, you know, how can you try and actually step up and not just complain, but actually go, I should try something. And what does that look like? And that's what I love about Inspiral Mm. is, you know, there's a hell of a lot of complaining that goes on, but there's also a lot of going, hang on, let's just, you know, just do it. (laughs) JFD it, as you say, (laughs) you know. JFD it. I won't, I won't swear online. But it's that sort of mentality that I wish we would bring back into it. Mm. Yeah, And I think maybe too, even within Wellington or, or our own friendship ecosystem work friend networks, it is very easy to become deceived with um, exactly who yeah. the, the non-apathetics are. Yeah, And I think that was the awesome challenge that Nick and all laid down, you know, right. on the last dinner that I had with him. He was like, hang on, wait, how big is Wellington? So hang on, New Zealand's only 4 million? You know, and he's he's trying to shift the Philippines, which is whatever it is. You it's know, the hundreds high, of millions of population, people. isn't it, in the world? Is, exactly. Yeah, you wow. know, and and he's going okay. So I'm trying to shift Manila <laughs> towards a sustainable society, which has got whatever X amount more people than all of New Zealand. He's like, yeah, I think you can do New Zealand. And I was like, right, okay, thank you very much. We're off. I'll take that challenge accepted. That's but fantastic. It, so it's how we can Sylvia. see, yeah. The benefit and the privilege that we have in New Zealand. And I guess that mm. links to your story of, you know, when I was in LA and recognising that there's only so much that I can do mm. to shift those young people's lives. But actually, here, if we look at the privilege we have of New Zealand, we have such ridiculous amounts of inequality and so many young people that aren't thriving in New Zealand that should not be accept- acceptable. So what is my role to reach out to them and do I change that through the business world, the political world or the civil society world? Or Chalkle. Or Chalkle, exactly. <laughs> well, Chalkle's right now is, is where I feel like the most leverage point is. No, that, that's um, fantastic vision, Sylvia, and I really am certain you'll get some, yeah, as I've already said, I think you'll be a, a leader that will be one to watch but also one to support. So tell me, do you have a a motto that's not the JFD one? Was that right? <laughs> Maybe another one that we can say on air. Have you had a motto in life that, that has put you in good stead or something you'd like to share with everybody today? Probably the one that comes to my mind because it tracks the most to the parts of my story that I've shared, um, which hopefully, um, yeah, this is probably the best one to share. And it's, it's just along the idea of don't ask what the world needs of you. Ask what makes you come alive and go out and do it. Because what the world needs is more people to come alive. And I guess I've held that one quite strongly over the times because, like I said, when I was confronted with different things in LA and in Benin, and I was just like, oh my gosh, I need to go and do aid work or I need to go live on the streets or I need to do this because this is what the world needs me to do. And I had to really reflect and go, actually, Sylvia, no, you'd probably die and you you hate conflict and you can't, you know, do yeah. this sort of stuff. What is it that makes me come alive? And it's been through that questioning that then I've 
you know, I found what I want to do right now. Sometimes I've questioned the quote because I think there is a lot of work that we also need need to think be of service to the world and act, you know, in mm. a selfless manner and go, actually, the world needs me to do this. Mm. So it is about finding that balance, I think. Mm. But that's one of my favourite ones. I love it too. I love it. Um, but also, if we're alive and enjoying what we're doing, then it makes it a hell of a lot easier to do the work, doesn't it? <coughs> exactly. And so just one last quick question. Chickens. <laughs> So do you really have chickens? i got two of them. <laughs> You've got two. And can you give us a chicken tip today for those that are, that are kind of tampering with the idea? <laughs> oh, a chicken tip. Um, name them. Ah. Because then they become like pets and they don't just become like, um, you know, egg producing things. So our ones are um, Delilah and She-Rex. <laughs> <laughs> She-Rex, nice. <laughs> and... Probably just the thing I love the most about the chickens is seeing them every single morning. I have to go out and feed them and they come out and they're so uber excited to be able to get the food. So, you know, give them the food. We've got the the ice cream container on the bench that everyone puts in their spare scraps that they know the chickens can have, put them out. And every morning, you know, they they come out, they greet me and that's how I start my day. It's a pretty good way to start your day. I reckon. And so for anyone that does want to get Chalkled, so they can go online to the site direct? Yep, so Chalkle, so that's spelt um, Chalk, C-H-A-L-K-L-E. So having a bit of a, you know, Chalkle Google mixture there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Dot com. And so as a learner, you can just sign up, create an account, browse that buffet, choose whatever classes you want to go to and, you know, pay all online. As a teacher, you can sign up, click the teach button, announce whatever classes that you want to offer also online. And as an organization, you can also sign up and offer whatever classes that you are perhaps already currently offering. Sylvia Zur, thank you so much for sharing that amazing story with us today. It's been a great pleasure and I'm sure all our listeners, can you cheer now? Woohoo! There they go. <laughs> Thanks, Sylvia. Special work and good luck in your journey.